Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. I think we're good examples of that. We didn't have a lot. We watched podcasts. We've watched your podcasts, Joe. We've learned a ton from them. Just stick with it and you can really do just about anything you want to. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Grant Warrington. How you doing, Grant? I'm doing fantastic, Joe. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic as well and looking forward to our conversation a little bit about Grant. He started investing in real estate in 2004, then the bankruptcy happened, and then he restarted in 2014. He currently owns 20-plus units with his wife, Monica, and oversees operations in his daytime job of 736 units for Epic Property Management based in Detroit, Michigan. With that being said, Grant, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah. First, I wanted to say hi to the best ever listeners. I actually am a best ever listener, so this is a pretty big deal for me. So I just wanted to get that out there. They um, say hi back. <laughs> great. Good to hear. <laughs> like you had mentioned, I started in 2004. I had a career construction previous to real estate for a long time, but in about early 2000s, I got about three properties under my belt. They were giving away mortgages back then. So I took three of them. And unfortunately, I went into it with a different idea. I wanted to be the friendly landlord. I wanted to help people out. And that's all well and good. But unfortunately, sometimes that's not how it works out. And it wasn't how it worked out for me. I ended up having to give those houses back. Each tenant owed me about $5,000. I took a personal loan out of my personal house to try to pay those notes. I did everything I thought I could. And it just didn't work. The great news is it was a tremendous learning experience for myself. I was the only one involved in any of those deals. So that's a positive. So I really learned a lot from that. And building up to that, I had read Carlton Sheets. I <laughs> got all of his tapes and started reading books before I really dove into it. But I really didn't invest the time 
and have the knowledge. And my personal life wasn't in order to really be successful in that space. But I learned a lot. I wouldn't change a thing. I'm very grateful for it. Fast forward to about 2011, and I did get my personal life in order. I quit drinking with the help of God. I met my wife after that, which wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have. Monica Warrington is her name, and she's a huge part of this business. So I really got to give a shout out to my wife. She's out there right now at our 20-unit building doing showings. So we decided, hey, let's do this thing. Let's buy some real estate. So we put our money together and bought one house. And then she moved in with me when we had her condo as our second house. And then we were stuck. We really didn't know how to acquire anymore. We were really stuck. We were stuck and out of money. So I decided to go to a meetup on my own. She wasn't feeling the best that night. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to go. And I think that's the importance of going to these meetups and really networking. You never know who you're going to meet. So I went there and I met a younger guy who was sitting there in a hoodie and there was a bunch of older successful people sitting around him. And I thought, wow, I really need to talk to this guy. You could tell there's a lot of people that wanted his attention. So I ended up meeting him. His name was Josh Sterling. He's been on your podcast, I believe, a couple of times too. So I ended up meeting him and he, in a roundabout way, I call him my mentor. I really think he has been. He's been incredibly influential in our path. So I met him and I knew his time was valuable. So he gave me a list of five things to do. And he said, hey, here's what I did. If you want to be successful in this space, here's five things I recommend. And I went out and did them. What are they? Um, to tell you the truth, people ask me that now and I don't know. Because, <laughs> oh, it'd be so much better story if you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to have to ask him because people will ask me that. But it's funny, I didn't realize that I was doing them. You were already doing them? Well, no, he told me, here, do these five things. And I didn't realize it was a big deal. I didn't realize not everyone did that. Um, I, <laughs> what, just, what, are, what are a couple things? One of them was to buy some of these properties for cash. Okay. That was the main goal, right? You need to get three properties free and clear. That was my goal. And then put them into a blanket loan and then refinance them out. And that was basically our strategy. So I know he had mentioned some books, some meetups. He introduced me to a lot of people, but I just thought that was normal. I didn't know that <laughs> when people give advice, people don't follow it. I, I really <laughs> didn't realize that. I just, okay, he's successful. That's what I want to be. I'm not the brightest guy in the world, but I can copy anybody. That's what I thought. <laughs> I'll just copy what he does. And there's been many times I've said, I don't know why. I mean, it worked for him and luckily it worked for us too. But yeah, that's about where we were at. So we got that. We managed to secure some properties. We stretched to get these. We didn't come from a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of friends or family that had a lot of money. So it was a stretch. We put some crazy debt on some things. I made a decision about debt. Since that bankruptcy, I thought, you know what? I'm never going to have another credit card. I'm going to pay cash for everything. And really, I had to change my mindset to business debt compared to personal debt, right? And good debt versus bad debt. And once I made that shift, things started to change. I also evaluated, which this is Monica's fantastic at, we evaluated our expenses and we made the decision, what's important in life and what can we change now immediately? And one of the things that we could change was my boat, my truck, and my pool table. I sold all three of those immediately. And we put a down payment down on a duplex that we still own today that cash flows fantastically. So that was one of the ways we came up with some money to put down on a property. So that's kind of what we had to do. Like I said, we didn't have a lot of capital. Once we refinanced it out, we had 
a big pool of money then. And I thought, well, life's great. I did it. This is fantastic. It's all over. I can buy whatever I want, more properties now. And it turns out that wasn't the case. Then Josh said to me, well, what you need to do now is you need to find people to invest because you can only buy a limited amount of property with the amount we had. I think it was $120,000 at that point. And he said, you need to bring some investors now into your deals and have them buy the house and you rehab it. And I thought, oh man, I got to grow again. So I was uncomfortable again, but we did that. We met some great people and this is over a couple of year period. We got up to 11 units in two years, I believe it was. But going to the meetups that allowed us to meet these investors, we established those relationships. People watched us, what we were doing, and we were very fortunate to already have those kind of contacts in place. So we found three investors very quickly. We bought three more properties, and in six and a half months, we had them all purchased, rehabbed, and rented out, and everyone paid off. So it worked out really well for us. And then in about March of, I think it was 2017, we decided, well, you know, if we're going to stay on this path, how many houses are we going to need to retire? It was about, I think really about a hundred or so. We, we were thinking somewhere in there, depending. And we made the decision, this is really a lot of work. It still is, but we decided how could we go quicker? And it was then that we made the decision to really jump into apartment buildings full time. We actually passed on some single families. It's funny. I remember a gentleman calling me and telling me, hey, I'll buy a house for you. Just pick it out, run the numbers. We'll go over it, but whatever, I'll buy it for you. And I thought, wow, to think when I first started out, I couldn't even imagine getting that phone call, but we passed on it. I said, you know what? We can't do that. We made a decision and we really need to stick by our decision. We're only investing in multifamily from now on going on. And it's ironic. One of these deals we had that we purchased it, it wasn't our best deal. Looking back, we did sell it. We got out of it. We figured 90% of our time was spent on 10% of our properties. So we wanted to change that. We wanted to keep our best one. So we shed a few properties when we made this decision to go multifamily. And I was talking to an inspector in the basement. It might've been 2016, I think when it happened. And I told her we're looking to buy more properties and possibly some multifamily. I was talking about it back then even. And he gave me a woman's number and he said she owned a lot of property. And I thought, well, great. I'll give her a call. That's so, a good person to talk to. Yeah. And I called her and she still manages all her own properties. She's close to 80 and she's right here in the neighborhood. And she was very nice. She gave me two leads and one of the leads was actually the apartment building that we just purchased last month. So it was a three-year process from when I first talked to the inspector to closing on it. But it just goes to show, we all hear on podcasts and other things that you tell everybody what you're doing, tell everybody what you're looking to do. And it's the truth. The more people you tell, the more people you're going to get led to. It's really an amazing thing. If you just listen to what people are saying, and really that's all I did was people told me what they did and I listened and I believed and so far so good. <laughs> mm -hmm. Tell us more about the 20 unit building. Sure. We just closed on that January 29th. We started negotiations in 2017. I actually reached out to the gentleman. Wow. Yeah. We couldn't come to terms. We just couldn't do it. It needed a lot. So we couldn't work it out. We actually walked away. 
we left on good terms. Everything was fine. We just couldn't come to terms. And sometimes it happens. But the deal wasn't dead in our mind. We kind of pushed it aside. But a year later, 2018, we thought, you know what? Let's revisit this again. And we did. And it took about nine months to get that thing closed. We went through just all kinds of issues. There was issues with title, taxes. It actually had been sold. The county took it over and the owner actually had, I think it was 10 days to come up with $50,000 or it was gone for good. My wife actually caught it and informed him and he went down, paid the 50000 and we were still alive. So that was one of the hiccups. So this whole time we were wondering, wow, are we ever going to get to closing on this? The other thing was that he had a note, but he didn't ever release a lien. It was from 2005. The company went out of business in 2011. So that was another nightmare. That took two months just to get his lawyer to bring it to court. I have no idea why it took that long. It took another four months in court. So we knew this was a good deal. We knew it was a strong deal. This was a mom and pop. So we didn't have a lot of the information, as much of it as we should, if a broker was involved, I would hope. But we knew enough. We knew the area. It's actually about a 10 minute walk from our house. So we know this area very well. This is where I grew up. So we knew it was strong, but in those nine months, it was very discouraging. There were some times that we weren't sure if this thing was really going to go through or not. We stuck with it. Like I tell some people, there were some times we actually sat on the floor and prayed like, Hey, God, whatever's going to happen, let it happen. We accept it, that it's our path. It's our journey. We, we accept whatever happens. We really like this to happen, but we accept it. So fortunately it worked out. Actually, at closing as well on this property, he actually had some questions about the purchase price when we were about three signatures away from being done. And, and oh, my. Up, yeah, it, it was, was, uh, was the question. Heart- well, he was supposed to pay for the roof before we got into this, and he was going to replace the roof. The whole roof needed to be replaced. So we were at six fifty. Six hundred fifty thousand. Yes. So we got into due diligence and all that, and I said hey, what's going on here? You're not doing anything with this roof. And he said, you know what? I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. But obviously we're going to have to talk about this. And uh, I told him it's 30,000 for a roof. And he said, you know, I'll tell you what, I'll give you 25. Um, And we said, you know what? That's fine. There were some other issues there. He had a hot water tank that had some issues with it. And he said, just in case that goes. And we said, that's fine. Let's do it. We'll do that. So we were down to 625 which was all said and good. And this has been going on for nine months. And finally at closing, he said, well, wait a minute. I, I thought we were at 650. <laughs> oh no. So I thought, I wonder how many signatures are good enough that we own it. But we didn't have to worry about that. My wife explained it. He, he's, a, he's a really nice guy. And, and like I told him, I said, this has been going on for nine months. So I understand. I had maybe forgotten mm-hmm. some of the numbers. There was, was something in writing though, correct? Oh yeah, correct. No, it was all written out. Our lawyer had him present everything and he signed everything. It was all legal. So that was also the other reason why we were a little taken aback. It's kind of a big deal, the purchase price. So Details. That's just a minor detail. Minor detail, right? Yes. So $625,000 purchase price, and you've only had it a little bit of time. But since going into the deal, what is the business plan for it? Well, our plan is they're all one units. And like I said, I know the area well. And then in my day job too, I'm a director of operations for a property management company in, in Southeast Michigan. So I know what one bedroom's rent for. So 
we thought conservatively we could get these up. Average rents, easy numbers are 500 right now. He had two vacancies when we first started looking at it. When we actually bought it, it was five. So average rents were around 500. We thought conservative, we can get these up to 650. We just received an EMD for 675. So we have 675 rents until we actually sign the lease. Then I can say we proved the model, but I'd like to hold off on that. You never know what'll happen. But we figured conservative, we'll get them up. So that's about $150 a unit. This would be over a two-year process. We were looking at it. We figured if we get it up to six fifty, that's about three hundred sixty thousand in added value. If we use a ten cap conservatively, I like to be very conservative on all my numbers. That would put us up. I'd say the building where we're at now, we put a new roof on. Five of the units are almost rent ready, so I'd say we're up about eight hundred thousand just based on the market. Obviously, not on the income, but I would say. That's a very conservative number the way it sits right now. So once we do get the rents up to the 650, we'd be at the 1.1 million in change mark. So there's definitely a lot of meat on the bone here. So getting into this, we thought we have three options. We can start the process, get it up to 100% occupancy and sell it. That's one of our options. We could also put short-term debt on it or we could put long-term on it, but I'm not sure it's going to qualify for long-term. I don't know if we'll be able to get a million dollar loan. And also, will that kill cash flow? If we do keep this, we're not looking to kill cash flow on it, but we are looking to grow. So it's kind of a fine line there. It's fun to kind of kick that around, but we do have those options. And whatever's going to spur our growth the most, that's the direction we're going to go in. What are some things that you've learned as a property manager managing 736 units that you're applying to this 20 unit? One thing I've learned is there's always more to the story, any story, and this goes with anyone. So really dig down and get more information, who, what, when, where, why, when you're dealing with a tenant. They'll love to give you information. Just dig down and get some more information. So I've really learned that. I've also learned how to treat people very well. And our tenants are our customers and we really like to take care of them. But our rules are our rules and we're not above them. And and we make that perfectly clear. And we have great tenants and we do because they do what they say they're going to do and we do what we say we're going to do. So I think that's one of the things that when dealing with all those properties and then bringing it back to our personal portfolio, we do what we say we're going to do. And if rents due on the first and it's late on the second, then it's late on the second. That's kind of how we handle it. Based on your experience, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? My advice would be to network and stick with it. I think we're good examples of that. We didn't have a lot. We watched podcasts. We've watched your podcasts, Joe. We've learned a ton from them. Just stick with it and you can really do just about anything you want to. Networking as well. I wouldn't have met my mentor if I wouldn't have went to a meeting. I actually met Grant Rothenberger that works for you through networking. And we actually came down to your meetup in Cincinnati. And uh, from Detroit. From Detroit, we flew down there. Josh Sterling, my wife, Monica. And I, we flew down, we met you, got to shake your hand and everybody at that meetup, it was a fantastic opportunity. But I don't think I'd be sitting here today if if we hadn't maybe laid that groundwork and I happened to meet a member of your team and him and I have kept in touch. So I think networking is huge and also adding value. That's a big thing that I really like to try and do. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. 
All right, let's do it. First quick word from our best ever partners. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular, want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com. Best ever book you've recently read? I would say the best ever apartment syndication book. Oh, uh, there you go. By Joe Fairless and Theo Hicks. It's a fantastic book. That book, if you're not reading that and you're in this space, you're really missing out. Another one that was huge for me, though, is How to Win Friends and Influence People. It really teaches you how to deal with people. Best ever deal you've done? This 20 unit by far. We're still in the early stages of it, but we're already seeing the great opportunity here. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction that we have not talked about already? I would say probably fixing things up to a greater degree than they needed to and maybe putting too much money into a rehab early on. I would think that there's a difference between renovating your personal house and renovating a rental and you need to know the market and update it to the market and not above. Best ever way you like to give back? I love talking real estate with anyone that wants to. I've had already a few people over to the apartment, walked them around, showed them our numbers. I really enjoy taking phone calls, emails. I try to help anyone I can, whether they're just starting out or just need a little pep talk. I know I do every once in a while. My wife's fantastic at that, but I try to add some value anywhere I can. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? They can check us out on our website, bluerockcapital.net, or they could get in touch with me at grant at bluerockcapital.net. Well, Grant, thank you for sharing your story, the rocky times you had initially, and then how you came through and the approach that you took going to those meetups, having the conversations, and acting on advice that people who are in a position that you want to be in give you. And to you, it's just like, well, yeah, of course I would do that, but perhaps others might not act on the advice to the degree that that advice is completely completed. Maybe it's just some of it. And clearly putting yourself out there and then also doing an assessment. You said you sold your boat, the truck, the pool table. Not only is it increasing the money that you have, which you use as a down payment, but it's also channeling focus. And I believe that's going to be just as valuable as the money that you made from those three sales, the boat, the truck, the pool table, because now you're no longer on the boat doing whatever you're doing. You're no longer playing pool. The truck's a separate thing, but certainly the boat and pool table, the time spent, especially when it's crunch time to pick yourself up again, can be spent more effectively doing real estate stuff at meetups versus on the boat and at the pool table. And certainly you can make an argument that those are social things so you could network with other real estate investors, blah, blah, blah. But more often than not, it's when you need to be laser focused, it's good to not do those things. And also learning about the 20 unit and the two-year process for purchasing that 20 unit. 
thank you for being on the show. Enjoyed meeting you when you came to Cincinnati. What was that, like six months-ish ago, however long ago? And I'm looking forward to staying in touch, and we will talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Joe. I greatly appreciate it. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work-week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com.